Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all. And let me say something very quickly, that our December retreat is filling up. I I don't think in recent years I've ever seen it filling up so fast. Uh, we, We have now booked what Last year we had to wait till November before we had this many. And so if you are planning to come, uh, don't put off your booking. Get in touch with us immediately. It's going to be an incredible retreat. I, I, I can feel it in my spirit. We are already praying specifically for every person that has signed up to come. And I know the Lord is going to meet with you, with us. Well, there it is. Okay, I want to be very simple tonight. Um, I, I just simply want to look at the worth that the Father places upon us, the worth that Jesus sees in us. And the worth that the Holy Spirit works with in us. Uh, and, and I say that in a generation that many times feels it has no worth. And cowers before God as, as if repulsive and not wanted. And what I'm going to talk about, you might indeed have heard me talk about it before. Though it came alive to me this weekend and... And so this I prepared just straight out of the scripture without looking back to see what I might have said elsewhere. And that is in Luke chapter 15. Yes, that chapter of chapters. And I'll read from the beginning because it's all part of it. Now all the tax gatherers and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, go after the one which is lost? until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. And I say, so simple. There's nothing that we call deep, and yet... What we find in this parable, I say it very carefully, is life-transforming. 
understand the simplest truths that are in these words of Jesus and I say it again, it's life transforming. It turns our lives the right way up. We, we live the wrong way round. We live in darkness. The words that we discover here turns us the right way up. It, it catapults us into light and we see life as it truly is. And so Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, that is, the extremely religious persons. It was a a sort of cult within Judaism, and they were, well, they, they boasted in their absolute separation to the law of God, despising all who were not as they were, the Pharisees. And they are grumbling because Jesus is sitting with the tax collectors and we've talked about those fellows before who had betrayed their own people sold themselves to the oppressors the Roman army of occupation and now returned to their own people to extract taxes for the Romans despised and so the Pharisees are grumbling that Jesus is speaking to them. Worse than speaking, he's sitting with them and apparently eating with them. And the Pharisees are mightily upset. And I might say on this one score that not only the Pharisees would be upset, but any person in Israel would be. And so you you didn't even have to be a decent sort of chap to have objection to Jesus sitting with these people. I mean, we've gone to the bottom of the barrel. And Jesus tells the stories of Luke 15 in order to show us in these simplest of stories the value, the extreme worth that... Father and Son and Holy Spirit place upon one human being. Because, in case I don't mention it further on, it's so fascinating to me that throughout this chapter, um, it's always one thing that gets lost. And when it comes to the sheep, this first of the parables, um, I, I have to smile a little because... Um, I've never seen one sheep getting lost. Um, they get lost in bunches. I, I spent time in Scotland where sheep cover the hillsides. I lived in Ireland where I think there's more sheep than people. And in I got to know sheep. And sheep are creatures um, without a brain. And... <laughs> That if if one sheep goes off and leaves the pasture, others will follow. And if you're not careful, the whole jolly flock will follow. If a sheep jumps over a precipice, the others will follow. And, and so when Jesus said there was one sheep that was lost, he is saying something that's uh, it, it's not in in the manuals of sheep herding. Um, no. But Jesus said one sheep because he is emphasizing that the love of God, this longing of God for us, is individual. He loves me 
He loves you. It is not a general us. He comes to us one by one by one by one. And he speaks about this. Uh, it's, it's an interesting fact. He uses shepherd. And if you read the Gospels, not just this chapter, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you will find Jesus has <clears throat> multiple references to shepherds and sheep. And that fits in with the entire scripture. In Ezekiel 34, uh, there is one of the greatest prophecies in which Yahweh, Lord God of Israel, says through the prophet that his people are like sheep that are astray on the mountains and they are prey to every wild creature. And he says that the leaders of the people, the shepherds of the people, uh, they, they couldn't care less. They're only interested in the people in terms of what they can get out of them, the taxes they can lay on them, how they can use them. And so in Ezekiel 34, the Lord says that because the shepherds, the leaders of the temple, those who were entrusted with the word of God had no care for the people, he said, then I myself, what a, what a, what a statement, he says, I myself will come and I will seek and I will save my sheep, my people. And that, that hung on the air over the next centuries. People heard it clearly that God himself said that he would come and be the shepherd of his people. And Jesus almost quotes that very text over and over again when they ask what he was doing in another time he says I am come to seek and to save that which was lost a direct quote identifying himself as God the shepherd who comes to seek his people and when he says I am the good shepherd he is making another direct reference to that prophecy and so here the shepherd of this story that Jesus tells. The, the Pharisees listening to him would know immediately what he's talking about and grind their teeth in anger, but they would know what he was talking about. He, he was identifying himself as God coming to seek a people that were scattered and in grave danger. It says that the sheep, what man of you, if he has a hundred sheep and lost one of them, he leaves the ninety and nine and goes after the one. So where, where would that one be? It is what is called elsewhere the wilderness. That is, there were pastures. The shepherds were very unusual. One could talk for hours about these eastern shepherds. And, and they knew the wilderness. They knew it like the back of their hand. And they knew where there was an oasis. They knew where there was green grass and still waters, which were so necessary to the sheep. They knew the pathways that led through the ravines. And they knew it. But just off of those pastures was the wilderness. Just away from those pathways were terrible ravines. And when the sheep wandered away, it meant it plunged into that wilderness. The wilderness 
spoke death. A sheep could not survive very long in the wilderness. Actually, a sheep would be doing well if it survived a day because of the predators. There were creatures in that wilderness that would be delighted to have a meal of a sheep. But then starvation because there was no grass. Only the shepherd knew where the grass was. And so it's going to die of thirst sooner or later. For in that wilderness there was no water, you say. He's gone out there into the blistering heat, away from the oasis, away from water, away from food. But also to the listeners, they had certain ideas about the wilderness. And they believed that it was the place of demon inhabitation. And I'm not saying that is so, uh, because it, it's, it's not exactly stated in Scripture. But certainly Jesus went along with that idea and so speaks of demons uh, going to wander in the wilderness until they find a host. Um, when Jesus went to meet the devil, he went into the wilderness. And so, be it right or be it merely an idea, uh, it, it sort of held up in Scripture. And, and so, for the sake of saying, what is the wilderness? The wilderness is the place, not only of extreme danger, but it was the place where demons were to be found in the minds of the Jewish people. It was, it was the headquarters of the darkness, a terrible place, a place where no human beings would be. It was also, and this has ideas back in, in Leviticus, uh, where it was the place, sort of the dumping ground of sin, all the guilt, the aggregate guilt of, of Israel was there in the wilderness. Do you remember on the Day of Atonement, they had two goats, and one goat was killed for the blood of the atonement. But the other goat, do you remember the high priest confessed all the sin? He transferred the sin of the people upon the goat, and then they drove it out into the wilderness. And saying the wilderness becomes that, that place of, of utter darkness where all the sin of Israel is to be found. And so when one thought of wilderness <laughs> not a place to be at home place of great darkness spiritual darkness and guilt place of demons and of course you could add to that the plain suffering of being in the wilderness and and of course the wilderness was the place of mirage you know a mirage you you could swear that's water over there that's where, Palm trees, in fact, I see it. And off you go to get it. When you get there, it isn't there. It's a mirage. Hallucinations. The sheep was lost in that great and terrible wilderness, as Deuteronomy calls it. But now, when we say lost, and I've referred to this so many times before, but we've got to get it into our heads, that when the scripture uses the word lost, it has more than one meaning, and I believe the one meaning is more than the other. That is, lost, when you say the word lost, 
You are describing value. You're, you're, you're describing someone's personal worth to the one who declares it lost. And, and uh, I mean, if, if a child goes missing, then it becomes the major task of the village or the town to find the child because the child lost means not only that the child is in danger but it means when you use the term lost you mean the child is in not only danger but of such worth we, we, we place such value upon the child this child is precious and therefore the whole village is called into action to comb the area to find the child that's lost well, one does not say lost with that sort of final sneer that many Christians have that say well he's lost meaning damned in hell finish with him no, lost, it means we are dealing with one that God the Father loves to the nth degree. God the Son counted so precious as to come and find us. Holy Spirit won't stop working with us because of the value. So he's lost. He's lost his sheep. That sheep is of value. You see, this sheep that we're talking about... It was a sheep that had a place of belonging. Hear me carefully, hear me carefully. The sheep had a place of belonging. There was a space in which that sheep had a place. It belonged there in the flock in a relationship to the shepherd. It belonged in, in he says, I have lost my sheep. Note those little words, my sheep. Not just a sheep, my sheep. There, there was a connection, a belonging. It wasn't just any old sheep. It, it was a specific sheep that the shepherd could call my sheep. It belonged. It's not a wild animal, you see. Not a wild sheep. I don't think there are actually wild sheep. You see, sheep have got to belong. Sheep have got to be owned and cared for. They are. I, I, I said a little while ago, tongue-in-cheek, they have no brain. Well, of course they do. But a sheep cannot exist by itself. You see, it's not a goat. Goat's another kettle of fish. A goat, they can look after themselves. But a sheep can't. I... <laughs> I mean, you'd hardly... But a sheep can't find its own food unless it's right there in front of it. Can't find its own water. And, and a sheep needs... Sheep and shepherd, they, they belong together. And they have to. The shepherd finds the food, finds the water, watches... I mean, a sheep is a helpless creature doesn't have any teeth to amount to anything, just grinders of sorts. Never never heard a, you know, sheep attack shepherd. I, no, sheep, they, they, they are the most uh, gentle, the most helpless. And if, if something comes to attack them, they essentially have no way of protecting themselves. 
They, they've got to have the shepherd. And, and so every night the shepherd would put on his staff just above the ground and every sheep, one by one, would have to go underneath that staff. And as it did, he would feel it quickly, expertly, for any cuts or any lacerations, anything that's wrong with the animal, because he's the doctor too. He, he cares for it, has the medicine for it, cares its wounds watches over them like that every night. They go into the sheepfold, a rough horseshoe of stones, and the shepherd sleeps over the door. He is the door. Any predator's got to get past him. So, I mean, really, shepherd and sheep, the, sheep's, that, the sheep exists by belonging. The sheep has life by belonging, and it's all wrapped up in the shepherd. And, and the result was and still is in in the near middle east it, it is that the each sheep was named right i i saw when i've been over there flocks of sheep and i mean we're talking hundreds and they're all middled up together and the shepherds are all talking they've each got their flock but they're they're visiting and hear all the sheep milling mixed up together well as i said when i was in scotland or ireland yes there were the hundreds of sheep but they were all marked you could get into areas where the sheep just ran wild but they they were marked you know that belongs to this and this flock and it was a maybe a a red circle or whatever and there's a figure in it or something that that that's that sheep but there when i looked at these flocks in the near middle east they they didn't have any marks and i wonder how do how do they know who's who get them all mixed up together and then one of the shepherds said goodbye to his fellows and walked away and as he walked away he began to sing out the names of every sheep each sheep had a pet name and knew its name that was the mark they knew their name they knew the voice of their shepherd and heard their name and so you saw these sheep all struggling against the others to get out and follow their shepherd relationship incredible i mean we we just don't see that here in in the west um named meaning every sheep to that shepherd was unique it had its name and and it was known shepherd knew his sheep and to the extent it was able the sheep knew its shepherd so the these sheep that that were known and, and, and had a, an intimate name and knew that name one of them was lost lost separated from the place of belonging separated from the shepherd who was the very essence of that belonging and now walked aimlessly no no plan or purpose just to the next rock to the next ravine a blade of grass here and there and that's it no sustenance no safety one word would describe the horror of it that whether you are alone alone 
if, if you could give any sort of personality to the sheep, any sort of thinking process, he, he believed that around the next corner there would be some meaning. Down the next pathway across the side of the mountain, there would be some purpose. Life would be in the next ravine. There'd be a patch of grass there, surely. But nothing, you see, just you're in the wilderness and you're lost and it's all futility. And the shepherd said, Jesus goes to find his sheep. That is, the shepherd takes the initiative. Sheep doesn't. That, that's where you really get into the, this brainless sort of sheep mentality. Sheep has no comprehension. You know, even a dog can sniff its way back home but not a sheep. Sheep is gone, is gone, unless someone finds it. And the shepherd then takes the initiative. And it was an initiative that was to the extreme. You were not recognized as a shepherd unless you were willing to lay down your life for the sheep. I know that sounds extreme. It was. A shepherd bore with pride the marks in his body of wrestling with wild animals to save his sheep. There was a saying among them, a piece of a leg, a half and of ear, meaning that I, I lost my sheep to a lion, but look, I've got half of the ear, I've got a piece of the leg. I fought right into the jaws of the lion for my sheep. I mean, that's, that's passion, isn't it? And it's, it's all wrapped up in what Jesus said, that he, he would go seeking his sheep until he found it. But that, that word until carries you to the jaws of death. That shepherd is not going to give up. He's going to do all that it takes to find and to rescue the sheep. Find. It's a sort of word you would use to describe treasure hunting. You're going to find it. It has in it the ideas of turning over every stone, not resting. You're going to find. You're pursuing as a treasure to be laid hold upon. And you could say the value that one places upon the person or the item lost is the lengths you'll go to to find it. As I said, the whole village turns out for a lost child. Well, that place, that, that tells me the value we place upon that child, if it takes the whole village going out. If this, if this shepherd is going to go as far as death itself to find the sheep, then the value upon this sheep is extreme. He goes to find the sheep, this this treasure, this valuable sheep. So when he goes, and this might sound silly, but it's, it's important. He wasn't go hunting for a wild animal. Do, do you see what I'm saying here? The sheep belonged. It was the shepherd's sheep. Therefore, when the shepherd goes into the wilderness, he's not got the mentality of hunting for wild sheep. 
going for his sheep. A sheep that when he talks, the sheep will recognize his voice. Nor is this a walk in the wilderness. It's not a story of serendipity. You know, he was walking in the wilderness, and what do you know? He found a sheep. No, he goes into the wilderness with intention. He knows what every step he takes is about. He is after one thing, and that's the sheep that is lost. He's got focus. He's seeking the sheep. And I'll just say it anyway, he doesn't stand at the edge of the wilderness, you know, He goes to the edge of the oasis or the pathway and starts shouting out there into the ravines, hearing the echo of his voice, calling the sheep. No, he doesn't do that. He plunges into the wilderness. And with his knowledge of the wilderness and his knowledge of the sheep, he's going to find the sheep. You get it. He, he, if we're talking about shouting out to the sheep, the shepherd became the shout. The shout was not echoing between the ravines and mountains and precipices. The shout for the sheep had took, took flesh and bone and blood and came into the wilderness. Not a sound off the side of the mountain, but a person, the shepherd. He is the call in flesh. See, I say it again, though I think we know this so well, but I I say Jesus was portraying himself as the shepherd who has come from the very heart of the Holy Trinity, come from the Father, revealing the Father, who is the Son who has taken our humanity and He has come into our wilderness to find us. One of the titles of Jesus could indeed be the finder. He came on a search. He tells us that from the very beginning of His ministry. Seeking, coming to save that which was lost. He's he's the seeker, He's the finder, the shepherd. Why does he come? Well, I've said it, but can you put it together now? He comes and he uses the term shepherd in order to inform us of this. He comes because of the limitless worth that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit place upon you. Don't, don't, don't just say, well, God loves us. The love of God has final definition in that God himself, in the person of Jesus, came to lay hold upon us and bring us out of death's wilderness. I... Look, it's in John 3.16... For God so loved the world 
That, that's the grand statement that's echoed elsewhere. God is love. He so loved the world. The world being you and I, part of the system that spewed out of the Garden of Eden in, in the sin of Adam. God so loved the world. And he begins by saying, so loved. So loved. He's already putting this, what can I say, this, this urgency, this, this so-ness, this depth, this length, this breadth. But then he says that. He's going to give definition. He so loved the world. Well, really, what does that mean? Well, he so loved the world that here is the definition of so loved. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what it is saying is that the love that God has for you is that you are worth God giving God. God giving His Son to come and personally find you. Now there's worth. There, there, there's, there's worth. And it also means that I cannot look at another human without realizing that's their worth. I, I can understand the Pharisees, you see, looking at the tax collectors and saying... I mean, they're the scum of the earth. They're the betrayers of their people and so on and so on. But Jesus is saying there's no human excluded. We're not talking about a certain elite class that have done a jolly good job of being alive and therefore God loves them. No, he is in the world. He's including every human being and saying that what is the worth of this human, to what extent shall God pursue the equality, the, the balance here is the world, the Son of God, God from God. God says the worth of every human, the worth of every individual is God the Son. You and I, your neighbor. We are seen by Father and Son and Holy Spirit as lost treasure. It is love's intention to return us, to restore us to the place of our belonging the place that we were created to be in, the place which would be the very heart of the Holy Trinity, the place of our belonging is inside the love of God. And so to find, he came into our wilderness. The shepherd goes into the wilderness. For just a minute, that's exactly what the sheep did uh, some time ago. Hear me. Go through this. I said it's simple, but go through this. The shepherd goes into the wilderness 
which is the wilderness in which the sheep now has taken up whatever's left of its life. Going into the wilderness is what the sheep just got through doing. And, and so the shepherd wands himself with the history of the sheep. And he goes where the sheep is. He plunges into this place of death. He goes into this place of demons. He goes into this place of guilt, of suffering, of no sustenance. You might say that he places his feet into the hoof prints of the sheep, if there were any left. So the shepherd goes into the lostness of the sheep. But hold it, the, the shepherd is in the place of lostness, but is not lost. You, you follow me? He, he's coming exactly where the sheep is, and the sheep is utterly lost and has no comprehension or even conscious desire to get out of there. The shepherd is coming there, but the shepherd, though in the place of lost, is not lost. Being the shepherd, he knows where he is. Being the shepherd, he is connected to the place of belonging. In fact, as I've said, essentially the shepherd is the place of belonging. He is bringing the whole placeness of belongingness right into the darkness of the wilderness. In fact, he is transforming lost simply by showing up. But once the shepherd is there, it's no more lost. Does any of that make sense? That Jesus has come into our darkness, he's come into our lostness, and, and well, that's it, isn't it? Just his presence collapses lostness. His presence is light that over comes the darkness. He is life that unravels death. He's gone absolutely where the sheep is in order to bring the sheep absolutely where he is. Huh. And, the, and this whole story, it, it, it's grace. Grace. Here comes the shepherd. And how does he come? I mean, does he come? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. But, but does he come like an FBI agent with a warrant for the sheep's arrest? You see, he's going to... This sheep has done the unthinkable. He's left the place of belonging. Now, the, the best thing we can do is make you lamb dinner for somebody. Got you a one for it? No, no. Daft thinking. Although I know that's the foundation of many Christians' thinking. But it's utterly insane. And I mean that. Call that good news. We're all somebody's Sunday dinner. I mean, it's... No, he didn't come. That wasn't how... 
it was grace the shepherd came to give the greatest gift to empower the sheep to enlighten the sheep to bring the sheep back to belonging nor does he come to correct broken rules because this is not about broken rules there's nothing about our condition that's about broken rules the shepherd came as has been the purpose of God since the beginning. He comes to restore broken relationship. That's what's been broken. Not a list of rules. Else you would send out the police and you would drag the sheep back to some court where there'd be a judge. But it's not about that. Garden of Eden wasn't about that. We're talking about rules. You're not talking about the gospel. Jesus came to restore a broken relationship, which is another thing altogether. A relationship primarily of the sheep to the shepherd, but also to the rest of the flock. Because he didn't just walk away from the shepherd. He walked away from the whole flock. So relationship all the way round. grace came by Jesus Christ grace upon grace like the waves of the sea ever advancing so with every step of the shepherd grace is coming to the sheep or as Titus 2 says that the grace of God has appeared I love that particular scripture grace of God has appeared and I think of it in terms of this story because that word appeared the grace of God has appeared in Titus chapter 2 it's it could almost be exactly imaged here because it describes as if you know I'm in the darkness and then suddenly over the top of the hill comes the face of my savior comes the face of my rescuer and that just popping over the hill and suddenly that's him that's him you see and and the the wonder the light the the joy that my 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 deliverer has has come that's the word appeared the, the grace of god has appeared like sun suddenly above the horizon it's appeared so the grace of god appeared in the shepherd comes no anger no revenge I'm not going to beat the sheep up because caused all this trouble doesn't come well you're going to pay for this no none of that this is shepherd justice what is shepherd's justice it's to make all things right to restore everything to the way it should be to restore the sheep back to belonging and the picture that emerges without even words being said but the picture that emerges out of this story is of kindness gentleness tenderness compassion and it says rejoicing it says that he found the sheep and as he put him on his shoulder he did so with rejoicing well, that's a massive word in scripture doesn't mean just a smile on his face he wasn't just grinning 
the shepherd it's almost the idea the shepherd was dancing for joy there's certainly the idea of a song that's bursting to get out rejoicing it's the strongest word to describe joy joy upon joy joy it's usually associated with wild dancing he rejoiced this shepherd's beside himself I found my sheep found my sheep excited he would give the, the sheep a quick medical exam you know they did that every night well now he does it make sure he knows where all the hurts are everything the rocks and jagged edges have done here he goes and he speaks that voice that the sheep knew only he actually it's it's somewhere it's called chattering he chatters to the sheep he just keeps on soft words words of peace words of affirmation the sheep knows that voice knows that lilt of the the tone and brings peace brings peace it's okay acceptance with joy your home lost has ended just by the shepherd turning up in that sheep's area what can the sheep do nothing except yield to the shepherd yield I I suppose as he goes into the wilderness he, he listened to another voice that would drag him away from the voice of the shepherd but as the shepherd speaks he if I could use terms such with the sheep that he remembered the voice he remembered his place of belonging something resonated between that voice of the shepherd and the consciousness of the sheep the sheep becomes vulnerable to the goodness of this shepherd the grace of the shepherd the strength of the shepherd maybe he was too weak to run but he he just lets the shepherd save him and the shepherd saves him in the most intimate way and again to the shepherds of the near middle east this was how it was done but to us we probably have never really thought about it or even heard of it but it says that he put the sheep on his shoulders and that means shepherds were very strong you take that sheep and you put it like a scarf around your neck so you're holding the legs here and the head of the sheep is right here it's around your neck and by holding the legs the sheep is safe secure held can can you imagine that a sheep around your neck so you're cheek to cheek with, with the sheep and, and you know it's a custom as i said but jesus puts it in this parable and anything that's in the parable i mean he chooses to put it there for a very good reason so intimate all through the scripture you have the word with the lord be with you and and jesus himself is called god with us emmanuel 
Well, one meaning of that word with is cheek to cheek. It means with in the most intimate way. It, it means you can't get closer. With the sheep around his neck. And so close that now the shepherd, as he keeps up his chatter of love, chatter of peace, of acceptance, it's right in the ear of the sheep. There's another word in Scripture, and one of these days I'll take a whole hour to talk about it. It's righteous. Righteous has nothing to do with a miserable, cold list of do's and don'ts that you've managed yourself to keep. Righteous is this relationship. It means you're in such close relationship that you are walking in step with, that, that you, you are totally united with as covenant partner. Well, around the neck is about as close as you get. But now think about it. How does the sheep get out of the wilderness? <laughs> well, if you were with us last week, I, I, I said that Jesus is our faith. Here you've got a picture of it that you can kind of fit into what I said last week. The shepherd was the faith of the sheep. For the sheep came out of the wilderness in the shepherd's faith. The shepherd knew the way out. And so united as absolutely one with the shepherd, the sheep goes out to the wilderness in participating in the faith of the shepherd, the wisdom of the shepherd that he knew the pathways out. And he's going, the sheep's going out, not feeling that he got away with murder, but he's going out with the assurance and the peace that has been given to him in the words of the shepherd. And the shepherd is the strength of the sheep. The sheep doesn't have the strength. He's been half dead by the time the shepherd gets there. No food, no water, but now... He is marching out of the wilderness and he's doing so in, inside the strength of the shepherd. In fact, it's not so much the shepherd knows the paths, the shepherd is the way out. And as far as any predators are concerned, they'll steer clear of the shepherd. But should they come close, the shepherd is the refuge and the safety. It's not so much he gives it, he is it. The fact the sheep is around his neck means they've got to kill the shepherd before they get the sheep. Oh, do you get this picture? This is your relationship this very night as I'm speaking to you. This is it. It isn't that Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago and did something for you and sort of got you forgiven and then zipped back to heaven. That, that's as close to paganism as you can get. Um, Jesus is God uniting himself to us. That's the incarnation that God, he couldn't get any closer, cheek to cheek, face to face. He got inside of us. 
this illustration is about as close as you can get, but the reality is much more than that. God has some come so close and one with you that he knows what it's like to get out of bed, your bed, in the morning. He knows what it's like to sit at breakfast, your breakfast. He knows what it's like to face the day and all its trials. He knows what it is to look at the list of needs and to look on the other hand of the money we've got. He became us and he faced our devil and he faced our temptations. There's not a thing that happens in your life but that Jesus has already trodden that. He's joined us. He's one with us completely. He is God inside our wilderness. And his presence inside the wilderness unravels the wilderness. So what can we do? We trust. Jesus reports to us what God the Father is really like. And he is the love of the Father and of the Son in our human flesh. And what do we, sheep with a higher understanding, sheep who have come from a grander belonging, sheep who in our remotest history once knew the voice of the Father calling us and that's never forgotten because he's continued to call us all the way through time. What shall we do except put out our arms like little children and say thank you, here I am. Thank you. We rest into his faith we rest into his faithfulness. We rest into his coming where we are. And we don't try and put on a show. The sheep doesn't say to the shepherd, well, I'm not a bad sheep, you know. I keep my wool clean. Don't be daft. You're lost. Just, just you, you, you receive that which is. God come to find us placing upon us a worth that's beyond words. We fling aside our silly masks and all our pretense of having our life together. All our silly religious words and we're trying to be good and all that. No, no, no. Chuck it all away. Just say, here I am. Here I am. And I'll finish on this. He's not calling us to try and be like him. He's not, he's not saying, no, I'm going to march out of this wilderness and you've got to do the best to follow me. You've got to try and be like shepherd, you see. So you get a stiff upper lip and stand up straight and march after me. We could be out of this wilderness. No. No. No, no. I don't care who told you that stuff. The, he takes us and he puts us around his neck. We couldn't be more one with him. If you were standing 200 yards away, you would not realize there's a sheep and a shepherd there. It would become one in silhouette. Sheep absolutely united with the shepherd. That's you. You are now united with Jesus Christ. For you to live is Christ. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
He has joined our history that we might join Him. That we might leave death and enter into life in this union with Him. And the Holy Spirit is the one that makes all of this so. It is so. Holy Spirit is one that opens our eyes to this fact, which is happening even as I'm talking with some of you. The news of what God has done in Jesus calls forth faith. Jesus, the author of our faith. And we yield. We believe into Jesus. And I haven't said anything about getting saved, have I? Because this this story is much bigger than that. This is my relationship. I, I live around this parable. The, the, I, in here, I, this is what the Father thinks of me. This is what Jesus thinks about me. This is what God, the Father, and Son, and Spirit want for me, desire for me. Everything we've talked about tonight. Now that's You live by that, you see. That's your oxygen. That's what you know. That's what you know when you get out of bed in the morning. You get out of bed in the morning and you're wrapped around the neck of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Couldn't be closer. And whatever happens this day, I walk through this day in another's strength. I walk through this day in another's wisdom. I face those that I find unlovable, but I face them with another's love. For me to live is Christ. I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. We are one. We're one. So, to all of us, some of you indeed may be for the first time that you know, but for all of us, snuggle down into this story, find out who you are, find out the thoughts of God concerning you, and start resting inside the shepherd. Well, if I say another word, I'll start preaching again. So, that's the way it is. Another blessing of God who is almighty, Love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you with the opening of your eyes, your inside eyes, that you might awaken to realize that you are on the shoulders of the shepherd and his voice has and does call you. And that this day, this hour, you walk in his life. To that end, I bless you. For that is the way it is.